Scott, I'm back with another episode of Bringing It Backwards. We had a chance to chat with Laura Fay of the band Arthur Moon over Zoom video. Laura Fay was born and raised in Brooklyn. We talk about that and how she got into music. She dabbled in a couple of instruments before landing on the guitar. And once she learned three chords, G, C, and D, actually learned how to play Puff the Magic Dragon. When she learned that, it was off to the races with her and the guitar. She started writing songs. Had a solo project for a while, but when that started to fizzle out, she started the band Arthur Moon. And this project has done really, really well. They had a chance to play a Tiny Desk concert for NPR. They're on a pretty big tour up until the beginning of 2020 when the world shut down. They're actually stuck in San Diego, my hometown, and had to make it all the way back to New York from San Diego. She said they drove it in three days, which is crazy because when my family and I moved to Nashville, it took us five days. And they did the whole country in three days. We talk about that and we talk about the new project they have coming out, Chaos, 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 and the most recent singles and the artwork, which is beautiful. You should definitely check that out. And you can watch our interview with Laura Fay on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be awesome if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Arthur Moon. Thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's Laura Fay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. And I did see Brooklyn based. Are you in Brooklyn right now? Currently, I'm out of state. It's uh, my mom's 60th birthday celebration. Welcome. So. Happy birthday to mom. That's awesome. Thanks. <laughs> she's really throwing a party. She's like, I think post pandemic just wants to see all her friends and boogie, which I, you know, I can get behind that. That's rad. That's really cool. So you're, you said upstate New York? Uh, currently in Vermont, actually. Oh, Vermont. Okay. Were you born yeah. and raised in Vermont? Born and raised in New York city. Wow. Okay. So yeah. mom just moved to Vermont or you're just in Vermont to have a party. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Whereabouts in New York did you grow up? Uh, born in Manhattan, raised in Park Slope, Brooklyn. Um, okay. Yeah. What was that like growing up in the city? You know, I have not much to compare it to, um, okay. but I loved it. Uh, Park Slope uh, is different now than it was when I was a kid in the 90s. It's like changed as, you know, as is the case with every neighborhood in New York city ever for the whole history of New York city. <laughs> um, but you know, it's a lot more like yoga moms and very fancy strollers now, which is oh, interesting. You know, no shade. Well, it's a vibe. Okay. Okay. It wasn't <laughs> like that before though. It wasn't like that in the nineties. I mean, you know, like gentrification is, is always doing its thing, but oh, of uh, course. it's, it's especially, um, ostentatious these days <laughs> sure no definitely i would imagine you're i'm from san diego and you we saw that quite a bit uh and so yeah. the towns that were like the more artsy cool areas then they you know oh, my wife's a cool area near encinitas which seems oh. like one of those towns like oh yeah well, that one went way up in value because you're yeah. beach, beachfront properties i mean even south san diego there was a some cool areas that were more like in the artsy world and you know the big corporations saw that and the big breweries saw that and they all kind of moved in and 
yeah. now you have to like pay to park, which isn't that when I lived there, like no one was there. So like there's like valet parking. It just blows my mind. But yeah, it's really disorienting. Yeah, I'm sure that's similar for you, especially in New York. I would imagine the property value because I understand how high it is. It's like, oh, well, let's take this area over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's funny. And it's like always the same kind of well, not always, but it's it's often the same sort of evolution, right? It's like first the like weird artsy folks move in and then like those sort of like vaguely upwardly mobile like lesbians move in and then everyone's like, ooh, and then all the like NGO people move in and then everything's fucked, you know? Oh, Sorry, yeah. Excuse me. I don't know if I can. No, you can cuss. You can cuss. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but really, I think my people, the lesbians are like the harbingers of, of evil coming coming to your neighborhood. So oh, yeah, for I, us, you know, really, really the beginning I, of the gentrification and everything's just screwed from there. Oh, my goodness. Now I know who to blame. <laughs> yeah, always blame the lesbians okay i don't know <laughs> if i'd do that but uh, <laughs> well that's fascinating that you, so did you, does your family still have the house you grew up in there or yep yeah, yeah uh we uh my mom ended up in a place uh we moved a little bit around the neighborhood but she ended up in a place that she's still in um when i was uh i think 12 or something like Okay. Right before 9-11. It's like how I gauge that. Oh my god. <laughs> Which is a dark, dark way of gauging a move. But yeah, sure. I think it was your I think it was 2000, 2001. So wow. And how close is that to you? I mean, I'm not familiar with like New York as far as neighborhoods and oh, like down close. Uh, yeah. it's, um it's it's like right across the water. So like, you know, very highly, highly visible, but definitely not um affected in a in a direct, uh, like direct, you know, yeah. the the, the, the yeah. Like you weren't no. evacuated right away. I mean, maybe you were. I mean, I don't no, know. No, you were not evacuated, though. Not at all. Wow. I mean, so you how you said you were 12 and that happened? I guess I was, yeah, maybe 11 or 12. 12. Yeah. That must have been traumatic. I can't even imagine. I remember where I was. I mean, it's one of those things where you, like, won't ever forget where you were. It was like I got to school and people were talking about it. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, the, and we're being attacked and, like, people freaked and, like, every class I was in, I think, 11th 10th grade and like every class you'd go to it was like tv was on like no one cared about school it was just yeah. like what is happening like and yeah, i can't yeah. and we were you know clear across the whole country totally yeah no i think it's really a uh like especially for our generation like a real marker of like sort of changing changing tides in this country oh yeah politics and everything for sure it's it's interesting like seeing the kids who are like sort of coming up on the TikToks and like oh, yeah. sort of um, doing awesome, cool stuff with our culture and, and like realizing that they were born after that happened just uh -huh. kind of like blows my mind that like our, our culture can be so deeply affected by that. And then all of a sudden, like not at all. I, I don't well, know. Yeah. They have looks... their own traumas, you know? <laughs> oh, no, sure. Sure. But it's interesting to, to, cause I have a 13 year old son and like to see him like, in school learning about like he had a, he asked me you know for one of his classes like that question like where you know do you remember what in 9-11 and like it's weird that they're studying that in yeah. a sense that like it's just it's so bizarre to me that it just i feel old i guess is my point like you're learning about this i was in high school when this happened like what <laughs> yeah it's wild that it's like history now you know sure i mean it is it's like it is. how we learn about pearl harbor but it's like that was even more i mean 
direct. Absolutely. Wow. Okay. So you're 12 and that all happened. When, let's get on a positive note here. When did you get into music? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I started playing, I took like piano lessons as a little kid and just like, couldn't learn how to read the music. I don't know if I like, if it was just if I had a bad teacher or if I just wasn't my my thing. Um, but I would sort of like memorize the the music by ear and then like look oh. at the sheet music and like pretend to be reading it while I just like played, you know, what? for release or whatever. That's so funny. I talked to somebody, I can't remember exactly who it was, but they were able to fake it like up through high school with the same teacher. Ooh. And then they kind of caught on the this person wasn't reading the notes. So they put the wrong sheet music in front of them. And then they're like playing it along. And it was like, I knew you did not know this. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I fortunately like quit lessons before I could get found out. Um, oh, but before. yeah. And then I, and then I did some like drums. I played a little bit of drums, which I was all, also like kind of mediocre at and then found guitar uh, in high school. My friend showed me like, a G, C, and D chord so we could play Puff the Magic Dragon together. And I was like, this is it. Sign me up. This is my life Oh, now. wow. What an interesting yeah. song to start with. Right? I don't know. I, C, G, and D, you could play a lot of songs. And true. Puff the Magic Dragon is kind of a random one. I, we were hippies. I don't know. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you learned the guitar. When did you start writing music? The second I learned those three chords i think oh, wow. was when i really started writing i was like i could do so many things with these these three chords as you just said and yeah kind of took off from there and and realized that that was that was what i wanted to be doing just, um, really so from then on it was that that was kind of the site was to be a musician. it was the thing i wanted to do like with all of my time it was after okay. after college i decided like okay i'm gonna give this a go very very naive decision <laughs> <laughs> well, it worked out. I mean, yes, you know, it's, it's my life. So. Sure. Wow. Did you go to college for music or no? No, I actually studied um, art history and like American study and I, contemporary American art was my thing. Um, Just so everything. Did like, you want, yeah. What were you, do you want to work at a gallery or what yeah, was, I was your... like, maybe I'll work in a museum. Maybe I'll be a professor. And then I, um, you know, did those four years in college. I was like, Ooh, I feel I was I was extremely frustrated by what I perceived to be sort of elitist barriers in the art world mm-hmm. um, and especially at like museums and galleries in New York City. Um, and so I was like, you know what, I just want to I don't want to want to deal with this pretension. I just want to make sad folk songs instead. <laughs> <laughs> Were you that's writing- what I did. Like ap- after that, I was like writing folk music for a while really like acoustic guitar banjo kind of stuff in college at all or yeah okay did you ever play out like ran a band prior to arthur moon happening yeah yeah i had a little a couple little projects with various friends that would like play around played around in this in the city in the summers a little bit and we would do like you know college house parties or whatever um but that's, cool. that's probably a good way to get your name out there i've heard a lot of people doing that like playing college parties because it's just oh, like yeah. already people already there having fun so it's like oh now I have this fan base so or at least a crowd of people to play to you're not going to a bar and trying to 
heard your friends in there and you know maybe there's three patrons hanging out like at least you have you know kind of an audience yeah there's plenty of time to play depressing shows like that like after college for sure (laughs) (laughs) but while you're there soak it up i guess yeah exactly yeah it was really fun you know i i um it was it was like a, a really great way to start figuring out what performing felt like i had been doing it a little bit in in high school too but not not in that same kind of way where I was really trying to entertain, you know, in, in mm-hmm. high school, it was a little bit more like buttoned up and, um, and, and, and nervous as, as one is when they're 16 or whatever, you know, sure. um, what were your first shows? Were they like at venue type things or were you doing like parties also in high school? In high school, uh, like, you know, talent shows kind okay. of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think like the first time I played, a song I had written myself was at a high school talent show. Um, wow. I always find that to be like, I would, I personally would think that would be the most terrifying show to ever play. Yeah. Like if you got in front of, cause if you're playing at a bar, even if there was 50 people there, you probably don't know much of those, many of those people totally. you're getting on stage and you're the center focus to your entire peer group, right? I mean, if you screw up, then every person in your whole high school is going to hold that to you. Right. To a group of like really mean, insecure 16 year olds who are just waiting for an excuse to make fun of someone. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like I, I find that like, I would assume, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I would think that those are probably the most terrifying shows ever. Yeah. I, I think I was very, honestly, I don't remember it, which means I was probably so nervous that I like blacked out. (laughs) I remember like getting up on stage and then I remember afterwards, like talking to people, which is often how I feel about shows. You know, you get up on stage and and you just sort of lose yourself. Uh, Sure. Yeah. But I mean, you did like the tiny desk concert. I would think that like that, I mean, tiny desk is huge. I mean, let's be honest. It's like one of the biggest things to do. But to to do like play in front of all your peers, I would just think that would be so terrifying. I actually was thinking about performing in high school at the Tiny Desk concert because like the room is super bright. It's the middle of the day. There are like people right there. You can see their faces. You can see every look on their faces. Like they're all sober. Like (laughs) it's way more scary than like, you know, getting up on a it's. I always find that small groups of people in a well-lit room make me way more nervous than like a big crowd in a dark Mm -hmm. venue, you know, just because you can see, you can see people, you can see their reactions. You can, you can sort of imagine the different ways in which they are sort of noticing your flaws or or judging you or They're being more, they're probably paying a lot more attention just sitting there thinking like, okay, let me watch her core change. And (laughs) is she hitting it? you can like project you're like oh everyone's out there just dancing it's great right. they love it you know whereas yeah oh i think a God. lot of people say that about tiny desk though is that it, it's pretty Terrible. intense oh yeah. yeah and well you know that you're gonna have a lot of eyes on you even outside of the fact that you're shooting this thing in front of is from what i understand it's just kind of their staff right hanging yeah, out like the office yeah yeah and then but obviously it has such a big you know, fan base and people gravitate to that no matter who it is. They're like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to watch it. It's a tiny desk concert. I'm going to watch it. So, you know, going out of it, like hundreds of thousands of people are going to see you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, that I'm, I'm assuming that happened a bit later in life, but I'm curious to know like how, you know, what, 
how'd you get into like to the Arthur Moon phase of your life? And prior to that, like what was what was the bands and what was the little successes there? Yeah. Um, after college, as I said, I started playing music, um, trying to sort of figure out how to make a career of it. And I was just like performing as Laura Fay, mm -hmm. um, writing a lot of like acoustic acoustic music sort of like it was still my sensibility so it was like really not not super traditional but the mm -hmm. instrumentation and the sort of um inspirations were very folk folk leaning mm -hmm. um and i did like a songwriting contest a few years into that oh wow period and one uh it was there was like a program called mountain stage for a while they were like affiliated with that so i ended up like doing that um which sort of was my just, you know i won you know no big deal like, <laughs> that, that was my huge. first like taste of of like okay maybe this could work um and then of course it like yeah. it was validating but it also made me feel like oh like music competitive music is stupid like really? the whole idea of like it being a competition it just like completely for me anyway like defeats the purpose of what it is right. which is like subjective work that people have subjective experiences of and you and it's extremely hard to judge you know what's better than something else but um yeah, it was it was a cool art obviously yeah. yeah it was a cool vote of confidence um and then i ended up like starting a, a a rock band on the side where i was like switching back and forth between playing like really terrible loud drums and like big muff electric guitar with a friend of mine we would like run back and forth between the instruments on stage oh so you play drums also yeah not very well but yeah but um, yeah still, yeah and then so that gave me, yeah <laughs> and that gave me a taste for electric guitar which sent me down a really different path um and i started doing a lot more like sort of rock alt rock listening to Radiohead kind of okay. stuff um <laughs> uh and then you know like like radiohead ended up realizing that there was interesting relationships between sort of traditional elec electric instrumentation like electric guitar and like electronic music um mm -hmm. and that was sort of when i started switching over into sort of thinking about like okay i think this project it needs a different name um and it was right around then that that arthur moon came to be um because you started adding electronic elements to what you were doing yeah, I just started like changing the way I was thinking about performance and production. Um, you know, I, like for for years, it had just been sort of like, this is the song and I play it the same way on stage as I do when I go to record it in the studio as I do when I'm like practicing it at home, mm -hmm. you know, and I started to get really interested and excited by like, okay, but you know, what happens when I experiment with the tools that I have at my disposal? in in a computer or in the recording studio or you know things that maybe don't necessarily look as interesting to watch on stage but can be so like vast and interesting in terms of how they sound um mm -hmm. and that just felt like a like something bigger than than me you know it felt like a bigger endeavor and so i kind mm -hmm. of wanted to like honor that through the name sure yeah it and do you start finding people to kind of join you? Because at that point, you were what a solo pro or solo artist? At that point, I had a band I had, um, you know, because I was doing like, experimental rock stuff. So I had a drummer and um, okay. a second a lead guitarist and um, keys player and bassist. Um, and some of those folks are actually still in the Arthur Moon band, which is oh, very cool. cool. Um, my bassist, Marty Fowler, who also like produces a lot of our music 
with me and um, drummer Dave Palazzolo were in the band kind of before we made the switch to Arthur Moon, which is cool. Okay. That both is of cool. them were at the, the tiny desk. Marty's the one who was like rocking out super hard. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love that the tiny desk performance. And how quickly did that come on along? Uh, that was, that was like right before pandemic. Uh, oh, actually. it was. Okay. Yeah. So pretty, pretty, well, I don't know what time is anymore, but like recently in the scheme of the, the last year, not really existing. Not, time. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the self-titled record, what came out in 2019? 2019 yeah so we had released a little ep i think in 2017 or 2018 okay. um which was like the moment when i was sort of like transitioning the way i was thinking about stuff um and then the full length 2019 um so between yeah. 2017 2018 and then the full length did you tour or was it mainly shows in new york mostly shows in new york yeah we didn't really start touring until like right before a pandemic actually oh wow <laughs> okay rough we did like a tour a, a tour in the fall and then we were on tour actually when things shut down we, we played a show in san diego that night and then the next morning it was like oh cool the rest of the tour is canceled and like, really so san, Di san diego is the last date you played yep House oh my Blue, gosh san diego really yeah <laughs> wow were you guys on a were you the headlining band we were opening for a pop musician called verite um which is great Okay. Such a joy to open for. Yeah. That's cool. Well, wow. So you're in San Diego and then what you guys get the call like, Hey, uh, this is kind of a thing. It was like, we knew it was a thing, you know, we were like pretty sure things might not work out, but we, we kept going. And then uh -huh. we were supposed to play in LA, I think a day or two later and then make our way up the West coast. Um, and like, sudden like washington was already shut down and then oh, that, yeah that next morning it was like they announced that they were banning gatherings of more than 200 and we were playing much bigger venues than that so yeah house of blues in san diego is like a thousand or 900 uh, yeah. yeah we were i think we were in the smaller room there but oh the voodoo room probably yeah that's okay right. yeah yeah that's um, cool though um yeah. wow well i'm so on the shows prior to San Diego, before it started shutting down, were the, did you see like less people showing up than the ticket sales were reflecting or? The rooms were packed. It was interesting. Okay. Yeah. Even that last night in San Diego, which I think was the, was the one show where like it was sold out, but not everybody came. Okay. That, the room was still full. packed. Yeah. And we were yeah. like, you know, a week later, like it was just a duo. I was trying just with my drummer and he and I were like, I cannot believe we were just standing in that room with like that's a kind of a small room. People. I mean, they have like just a curtain that kind of covers the one wall, right? And then like the restaurant is on the other side. I, maybe that's yeah, right. yeah. I, I mean, if you play the voodoo, the smaller room is yeah. It's it's still like a big. It's like a hall, right? Like a big yeah. kind of hallway. Yeah, um, it seems like a like a like a four hundred cap five hundred kind of yeah room. yeah. Yeah, it was, I mean, and you know, everyone's like shaking hands and, and they're really close. There's no like barricade and, or anything in that room, no. right? You're like right up to the stage. Yeah. I mean, and at the time we didn't even understand that it was like passed through the air. You know, we were just like worried about which surfaces we touched. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So the Tiny Desk Show and the record release were, were prior to that tour. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And how yeah. did the Tiny Desk show kind of come about? Uh, 
I think when we first released our EP, someone had put it into Bob Boylan's hands and he really liked one or two of the tunes and had sort of been like, yeah, keep me apprised. And, um, and so I think someone from our team sent him, sent him the record um, a month or two after it came out and he really loved it and was like, he said the sweetest stuff and like in all of his uh his writing about right, yeah. the tiny desk yeah. and the work that you know he was sort of like very underrated album like not enough people heard it or whatever and i was like yeah. thank you bob <laughs> yeah that's huge <laughs> to have somebody like that kind of you know really talking so well and giving you press on the the record yeah i'm sure yeah. that's huge yeah he's such a he's such a um lovely guy and has just such cool eclectic weird taste so it was mm -hmm. definitely yeah a big honor to to get his his thumbs up like blessing yeah sure yeah. that's cool and then you get on the road you're touring and then the world shuts down and then what happens you have to just figure out a way now you're in san diego and you have to get all the way across the whole united states home we drove back across the country in three days we just booked it oh we like, my gosh yeah I yeah. drove my family and I, we just moved to Nashville from San Diego yeah. uh, a few months ago. And that took us five days. Whoa. I can't imagine three days from there all the way to New York city. You went even further than us. Like that's, you guys were booking it. It was, it was, I mean, and we were just so wired and freaked out by everything that we like, you know, just wanted to get home. Wanted to just do it. Yeah. But it was rough. It took us, Took us a little while to recover for sure. And then you're going into like the epicenter of it all, right? Yeah. I mean, San Diego wasn't horrible numbers yet, probably no. quite yet. And then you're yeah. going to New York where it was like. Yeah, that was why we booked it. We were like worried because we didn't we didn't know what was going to happen. We were worried they were going to like shut down the city and like, you know, not right. let people come in or out or something. And we were like, then what are we going to do? We're going to be like stuck in a hotel in like rural Pennsylvania. No, thank you. <laughs> right, you know? right, right. So we're just like living in your van or whatever. Booked it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. And then See, um spent the the past like two years, I guess, like writing a new album, which we're finishing up now. Um mm -hmm. and like you know, sort of daydreaming about you know how playing to live. Yeah, playing <laughs> live and like how how the show might change and how to sort of like take advantage of this time to sort of like figure out cool new ways of making music and performing and yeah, that's kind of been it's kind of been the thing. Yeah. So you have, you've released a couple a couple songs, right, from the the new record that's coming out. Yep. Status Monster and Fishbones and the most Chaos 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 is the recent one. That's like the title of the record, right? TBA. Yeah. Oh, TBA. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think so. I don't know. I I'm uh I'm sort of like re rethinking. Had I had I've had some big ideas about the music in the past few weeks, and I'm kind uh, of rethinking. Okay. Um, rethinking what the releases are going to look like in a kind of exciting and unusual way. Um, so okay. chaos, chaos, chaos is the name of something. Yeah. Got it. Okay. <laughs> I like that. It's very big and mysterious. <laughs> <laughs> All good. Well, status monster. What about these songs? Like the fish bones were these songs that were all written and, you know, recorded and everything during you, you being stuck in, in New York city. For the most part, a year and a half or whatever. Yeah, um, Status Monster I started before the pandemic, um, and the rest of them, for the most part, yeah, happened um, happened during during pandemic times. Chaos, chaos, chaos. I had like written sort of the bass line and the piano part to with my bandmate Marty, um, 
like a year before the summer before the pandemic mm -hmm. um and then it had just like sat on my hard drive for a while and i'd always like thought about it and then one day like during like the dark time like i think it was like the february 2020 kind of mm -hmm. or 20 yeah is it 2020 no yes yeah, this, yeah like right after right after things got really bad yeah um okay uh i opened it back up and started started working on it and like really love the sort of smoky mysterious anxious feeling of it and mm -hmm. uh ended up ended up coming back to it and kind of changing my approach to it which was fun i love the video you did where it's yeah. like new york kind of but on fire and then you guys are like dance it looks like you're at like at a prom or something <laughs> like dancing and like it's it's a cool <laughs> video what was the concept behind that Thanks. I uh, worked with this wonderful director named Garrett Weinholz, and he um, he and I were like chatting about different things. At first, I was like, maybe it should be animated, and then we both sort of settled on this sort of David Lynch inspired idea. Oh, total David Lynch. Yeah, because I when I when I was writing the song, I was like really imagining what it would feel like to be on stage playing it with the band, and and I just had like such a clear vision of of how that would feel, and so I was like, maybe we could like have the band on stage playing the song and then have something weird happen and he was like yes let's do like a um david lynch dance where like you know you're just like being awkward in the audience right. <laughs> yeah um and so yeah actually that's my that's my wife at, uh dancing with oh me. cool yeah really cool and i did say that she's an artist as well right she's a writer yeah writer okay yeah do you yeah. guys ever collaborate at all or no i mean not really. She writes nonfiction, which is like not really uh, song lyric fodder, you know. <laughs> Could be. I mean, yes, it's yeah. true. We we have yet to sort of write write music together, but you know, we I trust her so much, and we we are always giving each other feedback on on various projects and stuff. So very cool. Was the yeah. like the burning of New York have anything to do with the fact that? New York was basically <laughs> shut down in a sense. I was, I was writing those lyrics, um, writing that song, uh, like sort of finishing the lyrics up last summer. Um, I'm just kind of like thinking about this, like I was sort of imagining this like sexy date through New York in that time, like in the middle of, of COVID, in the middle of the protests, like just sort of feeling like, there was this utter chaos, but mm -hmm. also like this, this enormous, exciting possibility that comes from, from that kind of like destruction and, and like optimistic destruction, if that makes sense, you know? Sure. So, yeah. So, yeah. So I was imagining the, the date, a, a sexy, weird, you know, gay date against that backdrop. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it works. It's a beautiful video. Thanks. And I love your art. Who does your artwork? Olivia DeSalve Villadou is the uh, designer for all of our artwork. She's incredible. She's so, oh my so gosh, so cool. Like I love the artwork. Yeah, like this the orange with the cigarette butts in it. And the, <laughs> she like, called me after she did that and was like, "I feel like my boyfriend and I had to smoke so many cigarettes. I feel really sick. <laughs> I was like, I bet, dude. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, she smoked them all and then stuck them in the thing and what, like took a picture of it or something? Yeah, basically. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's hilarious. It's such yeah. a rad concept. 
Yeah, it's very cool. It's and very I love the cool. like the fish bones where it's like a fish and then no bones, just like the bottom half is just black. Yeah, it's like dipped in chocolate was the idea because there's uh, a lyric in that tune about like cooking fishes with like Hershey's kisses. <laughs> oh, okay. Now I see. Okay. Yeah. yeah, the artwork is cool. It's like, yeah, I I, I love it. I, and I love like the color schemes. Like on your website, you have like the pink shirt. Like It's just so cool. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. She, I mean, we're definitely like super inspired by her her sort of like expertise in color in particular. And so I try to like follow her lead with with all of the decisions we make around design just because like she's she's so rad. Yeah. And the, like even the most recent one, what is it? There's like it's like hard boiled eggs. But what is it sitting on there? Like <laughs> yeah, they're hard boiled eggs on uh, dirt. Like, <laughs> oh, it is dirt. OK. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's so rad, too. Is she going to do your album cover? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I can't wait to see that. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> the, awesome. next, the next uh, single art involves Jello, so really okay. multicolored Jello. Yeah. You should. Are you guys <laughs> releasing? I know you're doing like you have a couple like prints on your website, but are you doing one for each single? I think so. Yeah, if we okay. can make make the, the finances work, that's the dream. That'd be a cool like art scheme on your wall, or something. Uh, you know what I mean? Just like the art is so sick. Yeah. I love it. Well, I can't wait to see the record cover and this next singles art as well. And hear the song. I mean, the songs are amazing. Thank you. Um, You said that you're going to change the title of the record, maybe. Um, So you were slated for what, an album in the fall? Is that still the plan or is it all kind of up in there now? There's definitely going to be a release in the fall. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> It might, we're thinking about doing like a series of EPs. Um, oh, rad. Because like the, the, the music kind of like fits together in these little groupings. And I kind of am excited about sort of accentuating that, if that makes sense. But they, but they all fit together on one album. It's just about like whether or not they're coming out in little groups first. Gotcha. Um, very conceptual. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love it. That's cool. That's really cool. And you have a show coming up in what, September? September 29th, yeah, which is going to be a release show of, oh, okay. of some sort or another. Yeah. Um, okay. At Elsewhere in Brooklyn. Um, is that going to so be your excited. first show, like, in front of people? Yeah, it's our first show back. How is that going to be? Terrifying. <laughs> uh, it's going to be great. We, we were already, like, getting getting ready for it. We've been really shedding a lot. Um, I have all kinds of like fun ideas about how to make the performance super exciting. We're um, we, like a lot of sort of like pop leaning musicians have, have often like taken advantage of um, sort of being able to run things through a computer so that like, not necessarily playing tracks, although, you know, sometimes we do that, but uh -huh. like a, we'll have um, a trigger on the drum set. And when the drummer hits the snare drum, it like opens up a gate on a sound that is coming uh. from a different instrument on the stage. And that's the kind of thing that you like, you know, can do with like pedals and outboard gear, but is a lot easier and cheaper to do with a computer. Anyway, uh -huh. I think we figured out a way to not have to have a computer on the stage, which is like- Rad the dream i'm very excited about it that is super cool did you guys do any like live stream stuff during the pandemic or no a little bit not a ton just because the band wasn't together um, um and so like i can do fun solo stuff but i really like it when like you can hear 
the full arrangements of the music as it was meant to be heard and performed. So I was kind of avoiding avoiding right. live streams to a certain extent. Um, so yeah, it'll feel really good to be be with the full band, and we're actually gonna have like a horn section and some other wow. special guests for this first show back. So it's gonna feel it's gonna it's gonna be a party. Yeah, and probably what's I mean, it might be some people's first show back, you know, in a year and a half, year yeah. almost two years now. Yeah, I feel like people are gonna go wild. Yeah, people are gonna go nuts. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> well, thanks. So. Yeah, thank you so much uh, for for talking with me today, Laura Faye. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. This has been a joy. I do have one more question for you. On, do you have any advice for aspiring artists? Ooh. Um. Oof, I guess I would say I'm, I was first tempted to give like industry advice, but like that's boring. And the truth is like that stuff changes all the time and I barely <laughs> understand it. So like I would say do TikTok, but um, uh, <laughs> I think like get involved with TikTok. <laughs> I think my advice would be to um, to not feel like your mistakes are in terms of like writing and performing and, and making noises to not, um, to not ignore your mistakes. I think for me anyway, in my experience, like the best stuff comes out of the moments when I, cause I have accidents, you know? So like really, really allowing, allowing the places where you mess up to like teach you and help you, um, help you like embrace your own videos.